Jenny, you going to read for us uh, this morning? We're in Philippians 4, uh, verses 4 to 13, if you have a Bible and you want to turn there. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Jen. So I don't know if you grew up in a home that had secret recipes, like did your mom or your dad cook something or bake something that they didn't really let anybody else outside, maybe even the most close family know about. Um, I was looking at pictures. Emily and I were, we've been married 20 years. That was last week. And I was looking at pictures of when we were engaged and about to be married and was remembering that one of the gifts that we got given by uh, some women that were friends of Emily's mom was they, they put together this giant book of basically their secret family recipes. Don't ask me because you can't have any of them. Uh, we were making one of those uh, last week, and it reminded me um, just how amazing it is to have kind of the insider knowledge about something that's really special. And what Paul is doing in this passage, and there is absolutely no way we'll be able to touch on all of this passage I would encourage you, um, this one is kind of one of those ones we could never camp out in enough as believers. Um, it, it's like a, an Ebenezer of truth. Uh, but he's, he's preaching to us this morning about a secret recipe. Uh, and the secret really to having joy and contentment and peace, stability in the middle of really difficult circumstances. He says it there at the end of that section in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret, right? The secret sauce of being content in every situation, whether I'm hungry or plenty or in want, I've learned the secret. He's saying here that my joy, my contentment, my peace, it doesn't swing on the hinge necessarily of the, of the things that I'm experiencing because remember, Paul's in prison right now. I, I've got this secret way to joy and contentment, and I've learned it. It's important that I say that he learned it. It's not like someone just shared it, like we got that recipe and now we know it, right? He's saying that there was an actual process that he had to go through to learn what he's about to share with us. 
It doesn't just get handed to you on a note card. It gets learned into you. And what does he say here is the secret, right? What's the ingredients? Because for all of us in recipes, it's like, man, he's got that one magic ingredient, right, that I just don't know about, and it's the thing that makes the difference. Well, it's not something outside of you that you don't have. What Paul's about to lead us through is actually something that you already have, that you maybe don't even know that you have, maybe don't know how to experience, but it's not something that you don't have yet. It's something that you do have. And he says it there at the end. He says, I can do all things, all this through him. He's talking about Christ who gives me strength. That's the secret. In all seasons, in all circumstances, no matter how hard things are, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, you hear me say that, and when I first read it this week, I thought, that's you. I'm used to seeing that on the back of like Christian high school sports teams' T-shirts, right? As they're getting ready to go take the field, or maybe that's that's what the you know the guy gave the team talk about, right? Like the enemies in here to try to steal what's rightfully ours. Maybe you remember what was the guy from Hoover, Alabama? The MTV did a show about this guy. Anyways, I won't go off on that tangent, right? You know that I see that. Oftentimes, it's like a tagline on, on, on a social media account of somebody who's highly successful, right? They're winning. But that's not what was going on with Paul, right? Paul's in prison. He's chained around the clock to a praetorian guard. We know that he never gets out. Things are profoundly, almost impossibly difficult for him. He is not experiencing what he wants to experience, and yet he's saying in the middle of all of that, there's a real way, not a fake way, a real way to contentment, a real way to peace, a real way to joy in that very struggle, in that very circumstance. And the key is a strengthening that only comes through Christ. I can do this through him who gives me strength. And we'll see here, and we'll see how long I can go here. This isn't a bootstrap strength. It's not like, hey, just pull up your bootstraps and have joy. It's not a power of positive thinking strength, right? It's not a dismissive or reductionistic joy that just says, hey, cheer up. Things aren't that hard, right? He admits things are very, very hard, and he's saying, I, I have and I need supernatural resources from Jesus to have joy, to have contentment, to have peace in the midst of what I'm experiencing. So how? How does he do it? How does this, I can do all things through him, how does that through him thing happen for us? What are the ingredients? There are two things, two key ingredients, and they're powerful. Uh, and you're going to probably, as soon as I say them, be like, oh yeah, of course, these are the two ingredients, right? Well, you can't break <laughs> big bread without flour and yeast, right? Okay, so they're two pretty important ingredients. And it has to do with our thought life and our prayer life. He's talking about thinking and about, you know, Proverbs says, guard your heart, which is really talking about your heart and your mind, because everything you do flows from it. What's your thought life about and what is your prayer life about? And he's saying those two ingredients have a profound effect on the contentment that you do or don't experience in your life, your thoughts and your prayers. So this is what he says in verse 8 and 9. This is, this is the think ingredient, right? Think. 
He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, what? Think. Think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received from me, everything that I have been telling you up until this point, put it into practice. Rehearse the truth. And what? The peace of God will be with you. It will be. That's the effect of that ingredient. The word there literally means to dwell, to let permeate your mind, to reckon, to work out. It's the word we get in mathematics for logarithm. He's saying, do the math. Think this out. Let this become the algorithm of your life, these truths. Let the truth of the gospel be the thing that you think about, because here's the truth. No one talks to you more than you do. That's true. Your, your mind is a giant supercomputer that is thinking thoughts, and you are talking to yourself all the time. What are you thinking? And Paul knows that. He knows about that inner monologue, and he's challenging him, saying, think about what's true. Here's what it looks like for me. When I begin to think like this, I actually get out of what I call my beliefs. I think I've shared about my beliefs with you guys before, right? You guys, everyone, all of us have beliefs, right? And here are what beliefs are. Beliefs are when my feelings have hijacked my head, have hijacked to the truth to the point to where my feelings trump everything in my life, right? Remember, Paul, he knows this. He's in prison. This is really hard. If I was in prison and I was called to do the things that Paul knew he was called to do, it would be really easy to begin to think God has absolutely abandoned me right now, right? God has abandoned me. John the Baptist, who Jesus himself said, there is no greater man born of a woman than John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was in jail and about to be headed, he actually asked the people, is Jesus the Messiah or is there somebody else who's going to come? John the Baptist, right? So we are in, we're in good company. We, Paul and John are saying, I get it. Your feelings, man, your beliefs, they're powerful. My feelings can become my beliefs. They can become what's true. They can become this. I don't know, you ever feel something so strong? It's like, this situation's everything. There is nothing going else on in my life because this is all I can feel. This situation is all there is. It's a hopeless situation. I'm hopeless. God doesn't care. When my feelings become my only focus, then what I feel becomes my experience of my entire life. And Paul is not saying, hey, don't feel. But what he's saying is, is what you focus on in the middle of all of those feelings, it matters. You have to bring Everything that is true and that is noble and what is right and what is pure and what is lovely and what is admirable, you got to think about this stuff in the middle of it. you got to bring big truth into those beliefs. So think. Think about all the things he's already said to us in the book of Philippians. You're citizens of heaven. You have a new family. You have a new identity. You have an eternal hope. You have a secure future. Your names are written in the book of life. Jesus, he who began a good work in you, he is going to bring that work to completion. Think about it. Dwell on it. Do the math. Meditate on it. Think about everything I've said about Christ and you and his promises and bring those 
truths to the current fight that you're in. It's a real fight. Yes, it's hard. Bring the truth to it. And what? Why? Because if you don't, the peace of God, the peace that you have that you can experience, you will not experience it. He's saying when you think, you bring what is true, what you already have to bear, and the peace of God will be with you. He himself comes alongside of us as we set our minds on the truth. So for many of us, our lack of joy and our lack of contentment comes from where our minds are set most days. I would really challenge you to think about it. That, you know, you know this? You know what we call this? What do you call this? Scrolling? Yeah. Many of us, it's because we're scrolling versus opening the scroll. I know that's hard to say it like that, but that's what Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 3, he said, I opened up the scroll and I ate the scroll and it was sweet to my mouth. For me, a lot of my discontentment comes from the fact that I'm spending my entire life comparing myself to whatever I'm scrolling through rather than opening up the scroll and letting the peace of Christ actually come in and guard my heart and my mind. What are we thinking about? Where's your mindset? How does that affect your joy, your peace, your contentment? Is your thought life actually killing the contentment recipe? Is it the ingredient that's poisoning it? Paul's saying, this is part of the secret recipe, y'all. How I feel, my circumstantial reality, yes, it's hard, but it isn't the exclusive basis of my heart's peace. I have a, deep, a deeper resource in Jesus and how I think, I meditate, I dwell, I practice it. You get that? Remember when Alan Iverson's like, practice? What you talking about practice? Well, not everybody can be Alan Iverson, right? And just hop onto the court and shoot the lights out. Most of us can't be content in difficulty because we don't rehearse contentment and the truth when things are going well. We got to practice it all the time. So thinking, it's one big part of the recipe. The second part is this, and thinking's a part that we, y'all, I mean, I guess we're, we're Presbyterians, so we love to believe it's just, it is all about Jesus, but he invites us to participate, right? Thinking's a way we do that. Second way is this, is prayer, right? Many of us maybe struggle with practicing, reciting the truth, but I know for me, I actually struggle with more on this end. I spend less time praying into the truth. And I said it that way for a reason. Praying into what is true. Because prayer is how God actually gets deep the truth into the dough of our lives, right? I'm using all baking metaphors this morning. He needs the truth into us through prayer. It's the Holy Spirit's job. He talks about this in John 14 through 16. It's the Holy Spirit's job to apply the truth, to knead the truth into my heart. But if I never spend time with Jesus in prayer, if I never slow down and actually not only talk to the Lord, but listen to the Lord, 
and listen with the truth in the frame of my mind, it's tough to have my heart affected, to experience a peace that isn't dependent on my understanding, right? He says, there's a peace available that transcends our understanding. You can't understand everything. It's hard to experience a peace that transcends that understanding without developing a prayer life. Because without a prayer life, I can't experience Him. Without a prayer life, I actually can't experience what Scripture says, which is is not, I know what He knows and then I have peace, but He Himself is my peace. I experience Him. So I could say a lot about prayer, but in verses 4 to 7, Paul says a really unique thing here, and this is the last thing I'll say, and then I'll pray, okay? But there's a page here, so I don't know if this is the last thing I'll say. He teaches us something important about prayer here as we present our requests, right, to God, as we bring our anxieties, or we bring our frustrations, or we bring our needs, or we bring our desires. He says, I want you to do it with thanksgiving, Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, right? So he's admitting anxiety, right? He's saying, don't be anxious. I know you're anxious. Don't be anxious, right? You're bringing prayers. You're bringing petitions, which means you want something to be different than the way it's going, right? But I want you to do that with thanksgiving. Now, what does that mean, to do it with thanksgiving? Because if I'm praying about something and I want something to be different, usually I give thanks after the outcome, right? After the prayer has been answered, hopefully the way that I prayed that it would be answered. Well, the word there for thanksgiving, it's actually the word Eucharist. It's the word that we actually get the word for communion from. It's a word that basically means gratefulness for grace. And when he's saying, when he's saying, I want you to Present your requests, your anxieties, all of this stuff. Bring these things with thanksgiving before God. It's saying effectively this. I want you to bring all of this stuff, but don't bring it without the cross in view. Don't bring it without looking and praying those prayers literally through the truth of Jesus' love, of Jesus' grace, of Jesus' sacrifice, of he who emptied himself on your behalf. Pray, bring it all. Bring your whole heart to the Lord, but bring it with thanksgiving. And he's saying here that when you bring it with thanksgiving, it is the secret to rejoicing your heart. That's what it means to rejoice. It rejoices your heart in all circumstances. It's the secret. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The word for gentleness means a radical, even-temperedness. It's the secret to us becoming gentle, not abrasive in our life and in our relationships. Remember, he's, he's, he's confronting Euodia and Syntyche about their fight right now still. The fight that was actually going to break up the church. He's saying it's the secret to gentleness, not abrasiveness. It's the secret to curbing your anxieties. It's thankful prayer in the midst of difficulty, not in spite of it. And thankful prayer is only possible with the big truth in view. With the whole of all of redemption in view. I know this, is, this might be hard to follow, but I'm, 
I hope I'm saying it in a way that's understandable. When I pray in the middle of difficulty, I pray under the umbrella of everything alpha and omega that has been done for me in Jesus, and I pray through that truth. Under the umbrella of that truth, under the covering of that truth, steeped and soaked and kneaded in that truth. The cross, the resurrection, eternity, I bring it all to bear. Praying like this is praying to him about what we can never understand. We won't understand it. It's difficult to reconcile, but it's praying to him about what we can never understand without letting go of what he has made perfectly clear. I'm going to say that again. It's praying to him about what we could never understand without letting go of what he has already made perfectly clear about us and him through his son, Jesus. It's prayers and petitions without abandoning his promise and his presence to us. Because we've all had situations. Remember how Paul started this book? He started this book by saying, hey, this thing, me being in prison, it actually has turned out for really good, right? I, I, I didn't want it. It stunk. It wasn't what I, what, I, what I wanted to have happen, but it's actually served to advance the gospel. We have all had situations like that. In hindsight, we realize God is doing something here that I cannot perceive at the time. Maybe even I was questioning, God, are you clocked in right now? Do you care at all right now? And yet, in hindsight, I realized he was protecting me from something. He was closing a door to open up another door. He was using that difficulty to draw me to himself. Looking at those old pictures of me and Emily standing in front of my hog trailer, I realized that was a season where I was more content in Jesus 20 years ago when I was dirt poor. And I had more riches in Christ and tasted those things in ways that I could never imagine. And it was actually because of the difficulty. He was drawing me unto himself. We've all had those experiences. And what Paul is saying is, is you don't just have to thank him in hindsight. You can thank him before it happens because he's that kind of God. He will be faithful to you. Thank him now and then watch what he does. And Paul's saying that kind of thankful prayer, that kind of thinking and prayerful thinking into, your, into that kind of truth, it actually does something. He says that not only the peace of God will transcend your understanding, it will stand guard over your heart and mind. What is that? That's like a big bodyguard outside of a nightclub that when lies and, and all of the accusations and all of the despair and all of the anxiety come to actually come into the club, right? The bodyguard of Christ, the truth of Christ stands there and says, no, I'm bouncing you because that is not what's going on inside this room. The peace of God, which transcends, transcends understanding, can guard our hearts and minds. So you want the secret? There it is. Now you got to go bake, right? I, I wrote it down on a card for you. Paul wrote it down on a card for us. Would you think about the truth? Would you think about what's excellent and praiseworthy and true? Would you let it permeate your minds? It will lead to contentment. It will lead to peace. Will you pray like this? Thank God for whatever you're annoyed about. You might be doing that right now. <laughs> Thank him. 
Say, Lord, I don't know what you're working here, but thank you because I know you work all things for the good of those who love and are called according to your purpose. I know that you say, I will have trouble in this world, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is how we do it, all right? Let me pray for us. Lord, would you rejoice our heart in you? Would you make us a community that is marked by gentleness? I thank you, Lord, that just we're promised here that the Lord is near and that we don't have to be anxious about anything. But in every situation, and Lord, we've got so many situations in this community, in our families, in our friendships, in our work, in our country, fistfights on airplanes. In every situation, by prayer and petition, Lord, we can thankfully present our request to you. And I pray for us, Lord, not only that we would give up the idea that contentment comes through us understanding, because you've told us your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways are higher than our ways, and we can't understand everything. Would you give us the peace that not only transcends understanding, but would you guard our hearts and minds, Lord, because we're under attack all the time, and we need you to bounce bounce the lies and bring in the truth. We trust you and we love you. Thank you for your word. Uh, Holy Spirit, apply it to our hearts in your name. Amen. Amen. Have a, have a seat real quick. Um, we, uh, we have some family news uh, to share, and uh, it's actually really appropriate that all these little people uh, are in this room right now um, chirping and uh, so Jen, Jackson, and Mike, you want to come up as well? Jen and Mike, come on. Uh, this, is, uh, this is bittersweet news. Uh, and it's bitter in the sense that uh, change is always hard um, and transition is always hard. And it's sweet in the sense uh, that it's, it's a good thing when we know that the Lord is leading that change. Uh, and he's authoring that change. And so right now, as a community, we get to practice what we just talked about. Um, in August, Jen is going to be stepping down uh, from her role as director of Kidtown for Creef Hall, which is a role um, that she has faithfully, uh, powerfully, beautifully uh, served in over the last six to seven years. Um, this is a decision that uh, she hasn't come to hastily uh, at all, <laughs> uh, but has been covered in a lot of prayer and a lot of conversation. Um, and so, um, this family's been a real gift uh, to our community, and I know this community has been a real gift to this family, uh, a lot of healing and growth has happened. Um, but there's more to this story. Um, during her time uh, as director of Kidtown, uh, Jen did something really amazing uh, and brave. Uh, she went back to school and went and got her undergraduate degree uh, in ministry leadership and theology. And uh, she's finished that degree, yeah. <laughs> And she's still working, and later this next year, we'll be finishing, uh, start starting January, she'll be working on her master's and finishing her master's next year. And yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
So through that experience and through a lot of conversation and a lot of just the Lord's leading, uh, it's become increasingly clear to Jen, not only that she's being led away from directing our children's ministry, but she's really uh, sensing a call on her life and a passion and desire to teach and to disciple women. And so she uh, is exploring opportunities about what that is going to look like uh, for her going forward uh, vocationally. And so uh, we're excited about that for her. Um, And I'm asking us as a community, uh, we pray for her uh, in that journey. Because uh, in many ways, she's stepping out in faith and saying, Lord, I don't, I don't know what the next is, uh, but I know that this is what you're calling me to do, and I'm following you. Uh, and it's a big step for her, and unsure of how the Lord's going to provide, what he's going to do, uh, what he's going to lead her to do. So all I can say is I'm profoundly proud of her. Um, not just for what she's done, but she's always been like this. Um, somebody who has been willing to surrender herself to the Lord and say, Lord, how are you leading? Um, and so I am going to pray for her here in a second. I don't know if you want to say anything or not. I just, y'all know I love you. And um, I hope you know that. Um, <laughs> so some of you women, moms, non-moms, have been to my porch And on that porch, we've read the word together, we've cried together, we've prayed together, we drank wine together. Um, And so whether I am here or I am somewhere else, I am still your friend. And I still want you to come to my sacred porch because the Lord has done amazing things on that porch. And so if you want the story behind that, come find me. (laughs) It's beautiful. Um, I just, and guys, I love you too. I just don't spend that time on my porch with you. Um, But I have loved serving your families. I know the kids are screaming now. It's okay. Thank you so much for um, letting me do that, for letting me love you kids. And I'm looking at some of you. Mm. And um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all, when, 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 Jen, when Jen started, we had about one table of kids. Uh, and you're sitting with a lot of your children, and there are a lot in here. I think Kid Town has five times itself uh, in, her, in her tenure here. So uh, That's I'm gonna, not about me. That's about me. It's true. <laughs> Y'all have participated Y'all in that, clearly. Um, so, yeah. We're going to pray for Jen. I'm going to ask if you're in your small group, our leadership, if you're an elder here, uh, even if some of you kids want to come up and lay hands on this woman. And I'm going to pray for her, but I'm also going to pray for our community because uh, these are big shoes to fill. And, you know, God knew this day was coming. He's not surprised. Uh, We don't understand all the ways that he works, uh, but he just told us in his word that he's got a peace that transcends understanding for us. And so um, pray for our community because someone is going to step into her role. And we obviously, yeah, we need somebody to step into this role. Somebody who God's called like God called her to this role uh, to serve our families and to serve our children. And so 
I, this is going to scare maybe some of you. It may be one of you in this room. Uh, it may be somebody that you know who's not in this room. Um, would you join us not only in praying, but thinking about, Lord, who are you leading to, who are you leading to pick up and lead this ministry to our children and to our families? So, all right. Okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us. Give me that hand. Lord Jesus, um, just thank you. Uh, I know seven years ago when you brought this family uh, to Midtown, um, they, were, they were limping in, and um, you had a big work that you were doing and beginning to do in their lives, and I thank you uh, that we have had a front row seat for a lot of that and have benefited as a community from a lot of that. And Lord, uh, we don't know. We know that you're leading Jen to step away from this role. We don't know uh, what you're opening up. We thank you for the way that you're stirring her heart, the gifts that you've given her, the, the training and the preparation that you've poured into her through this schooling, Lord. Uh, all we can say is we trust in you. Uh, it's like Ecclesiastes says there's a, there's a time for this and there's a time for this. And we read half of that list and we think half the list is bad and half the list is good. But you say it's good it's good to plant and it's good to uproot sometimes. And so you make everything beautiful in your time. And I pray that one day we'll, we'll, we'll look back on this moment and realize you were authoring something very beautiful for Jen, uh, for Mike, for the girls, and for our community. So we pray for her. I pray for um, just grace on her heart, uh, comfort, uh, that peace that transcends understanding, to stand guard over hearts and minds. I pray that you rejoice her heart in knowing uh, that you know the plans that you have for her and they are plans that are good for her. Um, so we trust you. Uh, we, th- we throw ourselves um, on to your goodness and to your love, knowing that surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So may she dwell there with you, uh, Lord, as you unfold uh, for her and for our community. What's next? We pray for whoever's supposed to be in this role. Would you give us that person? Uh, grace us with who's uh, supposed to lead this motley tribe of beautiful cherubs uh, who need you, Jesus. And you've given us them and, and them us uh, to show your love and your goodness. Uh, so grace us, Lord, with that as well. We love you. In your name, amen.